0: The U.S. equity market has enjoyed a strong run for many years and greatly rewarded investors who have stuck with it. However, this has also driven up the valuations of shares in this market, so some investors are now focusing on other markets which are considered to be cheaper and less likely to come crashing down to what seem like more realistic valuations. But others are sticking with the U.S., including today's guest, James Thompson, manager of Rathbone Global Opportunities Fund, which has around 58% of its assets invested in U.S.-listed companies. James, Rathbone Global Opportunities, as the name implies, is a global equities fund with a wide choice of potential investments and is not compelled to focus on any one particular region. So why have you invested nearly 60% of its assets in the U.S.?
1: Because that's where you find the incredible innovation, differentiation, and growth. Because that's where the money is. Uh, You can't find another Amazon, Adobe, PayPal, Visa, or MasterCard outside of the United States. These are world-leading, world-beating companies. But my geographic weightings aren't rigid. Uh, Five years ago, I had 35% in the U.S. It really is my stock picking. Finding great companies is what drives my geographic allocation.
0: Are you not concerned about high U.S. valuations?
1: That's exactly what people said to me about Amazon five years and 500% ago. The dirty little secret is that valuation is a terrible predictor of stock market performance. It doesn't mean ignore, uh, but use in moderation. I am concerned about deteriorating economic growth in the U.S., potentially some leading indicators rolling over, which would lead to more stormy conditions uh, in global stock markets.
0: So which kind of U.S. companies do you currently find attractive?
1: I like companies that have predictable and reliable earnings streams, less reliant on the economic cycle. I'm emphasising stability uh, in the fund. Uh, or companies that are riding the wave of one of the greatest transformations in a generation.
0: What would be some examples of um, portfolio holdings?
1: Well, some of the thematics that drive really some of the the stock selection would be uh, one of the themes that we're running, which I think is this tidal wave really, is digital transformation. Uh, I think an unstoppable trend in the market, you know, companies that are racing to modernize their systems – their digital transformation, uh, to improve their IT operational efficiency, improve customer experience, introduce new products or services faster, or make life better for their employees. Uh, One company that I own, which is a key beneficiary of this trend, told me recently that demand is better than ever uh, as companies race to embrace their digital transformation. Another example of stability would be healthcare equipment. I own a U.S. company that makes a miniaturized heart pump, about the size of a pen.
0: What's the name of the company? So? It's
1: called Abiomed. Okay. Um, and the, the device is implanted into your left ventricle if you're suffering from a certain type of heart attack. Uh, and it improves survival rates from about 50 to 80 percent. So, my advice would be if you're going to have a heart attack, try and have it in the US.
0: Okay. Now, you mentioned that maybe only a few years ago, you had, let's say, around half of what you have in that region now. So, do you expect to change the amount the fund has allocated to the US in the near future?
1: I don't think so. As you say, we have about 60% of the fund in the US. I wouldn't expect any major moves, although it it could push up very modestly. But I I believe in the context of running a a global fund, probably two thirds of the fund in the US would be a natural limit to to, to my exposure to, to US equities
0: the allocation to the US has changed over the past few years. But thinking about what you've done more recently, what would be some changes? What be examples of changes you've recently made?
1: Yes, we have made some some changes recently, and they tend to be more stocks or uh, thematic uh, related changes. So for instance, we've sold all of our tobacco exposure in the fund. Why have you done that? Uh, I think this is an industry which is undergoing its own transformation at the moment as traditional combustible cigarettes, uh, the volumes here decline. uh, They're trying to make up for that with their next generation reduced risk products. And often when companies are undergoing a transformation, there can be some awkward moments as growth rates stutter or plateau. Uh, And so I think this is an industry which is undergoing this transformation. And for the time being, it's, it's better to stay on the sidelines. We've also reduced some of our exposure to some more economically sensitive industrial companies, which I think would be uh, vulnerable to deteriorating economic growth and, and where fundamentals are, are probably as good as they get.
0: What would be examples of companies you've reduced?
1: Uh, we, we've reduced or sold uh, U.S. industrial companies, businesses like Caterpillar, um, where uh, they will also be vulnerable potentially to a, uh, an increasing trade war. Um, but also, this is a, these are businesses where they've had an extremely good run over a number of years, and we think potentially uh, it, it will be difficult to get much better from here.
0: Now, the fund has been performing well. So which of its holdings have made the greatest positive contributions over the past year? And do you think they'll continue to be the greatest contributors in the near future?
1: Yes, I'll highlight a few, a few companies that have made the greatest positive contribution. The first one is a U.S. company called Align, which is a, a dental company that makes near-invisible braces called Invisalign. Another is Abiomed, which is the uh, company that makes that miniaturized heart pump. Amazon, uh, of course, the cloud computing and, and online retailing giant. Uh, and Adobe. Uh, which is the software company powering the world's shift to to digital. So, you know, clearly my strategy of buying companies beginning with the letter A is working.
0: <laughs> and do you think they'll continue to do well, or do you do you imagine there's going to be a shift to, you know, other areas of the portfolio in terms of top contribution?
1: Well, I believe so. I mean, these are some of the largest holdings in my fund, and so I, I'm, I'm a strong supporter of them. Uh, but of course, you know, you never want to put all your eggs in, into one basket, and I, that's why I run a, a portfolio of 60 holdings. Um, so we have a broad spread of investments, because it's very hard to pinpoint in any particular year, which is going to be your, your best performer. But, you know, these are, these are great companies uh, with you know, increasing market penetration, increasing market share, and, and, a, and a great growth runway ahead of them.
0: Which holdings have detracted from returns of the past year? Um, and do you can expect them to improve at all? Or are you looking to sell any
1: yes i mean i i tend to have a pretty cutthroat sell discipline so companies that are disappointing issuing profits warnings uh, uh, tend to be removed from the from the portfolio some things that have been poor performers uh, over the last year my tobacco holdings for instance uh, have been poor but i've sold them all Uh, some retailers which were in uh, amazon's crosshairs uh, i've sold them also uh, another poor performer was the the credit ratings company Equifax you'll remember following that that data hack uh, last year and and shambolic response to the breach uh, you know this company was a trusted steward of personal data and it failed and so I've I've sold that company as well
0: You said you had quite a, a cut-foot approach what's your what's your sell discipline process
1: I mean deteriorating fundamentals profit warnings all-consuming scandals. I think these are sort of key reasons I would sell uh, holdings. I don't believe that valuation provides much support when things start to go wrong. So, you know, if I believe there's a medium to longer term problem with the business, I get out.
0: Okay. Now, you say that you target under the radar and out of favour growth companies. Specifically, what's your definition of these kind of companies?
1: Well, honestly, there is no strict definition. Uh, I'm trying to unearth uh, interesting ideas that aren't in every other fund manager's portfolio or companies that are summarily dismissed uh, because the valuation doesn't sit in their comfort zone. It doesn't mean that you sell the stock once it is on the radar, uh, but investors often underestimate the scalability and durability of these businesses.
0: Uh, You avoid directly investing in emerging markets, which is... Supposedly, cool a growth why do you do this
1: i just don't think i have the skills or the expertise to to invest credibly directly in emerging markets and i think you're you have to realize where you have uh, edge and expertise and i don't think it's an emerging market so i think my investors will be better off going to another fund manager who does
0: is it in is it at all because of concerns on corporate governance uh,
1: yes there are elements of that um I also don't don't necessarily feel that there's a level playing field uh, for for fund managers uh, investing in emerging markets, especially where they're at a great distance from these markets. So, you know, if, if I don't think there's a level playing field or I don't think I have any kind of experience, edge or expertise, then I think it's better off leaving it to others.
0: What do you consider are the greatest risks to the areas the fund does invest in and are you doing anything to mitigate them?
1: Well, I think, you know, probably the, the greatest risk I would say generally to my fund is a uh, booming economy. Uh, and that's slightly uh, counterintuitive, actually. But I believe that if we are entering a period of booming economic growth, then you don't necessarily want to be in growth stocks. Uh, I think in that sort of environment, you probably want to be in value stocks. Uh, And value stocks are different than the value stocks that we remember many years ago, which used to be the sort of boring, plod-along companies. I think value stocks today actually sit in some of the most economically sensitive parts of the market. Uh, Think about commodities, uh, rate-sensitive banks, economically sensitive industrial companies. Uh, These are the businesses that are on value multiples uh, that would benefit the most from a booming Uh, economic growth picture around the world. But that's not where I think we are. Uh, I don't think we're in a period of above-trend growth. In fact, I think growth is quite fragile. And if you believe that, then actually growth stocks are the place to be because investors wrap their arms around growth when economic growth is hard to find.
0: Like you say, you invest via a growth style rather than a value style. Quite a lot of commentators are predicting that value style investing will make a comeback and be the more profitable way to invest. If this happens, would you consider changing how you run the fund?
1: No, I think you have to stick to your knitting. Uh, It may not be the right fund for everyone. uh, And there will be moments uh, when you ask yourself, how could Thompson be so stupid? Uh, But I think I will deliver in the longer term. Uh, Over the last 15 years, I've delivered on average a 13% return uh, per annum, uh, 17% so far in in 2018. Uh, But it's not consistent uh, and not often pretty.
0: Okay. Now, you actually hold some defensive companies that are less economically sensitive, but have slower growth prospects. Why do you do this? And what percentage of the fund is currently in these kinds of companies?
1: Well, about 25% of the fund are in these what I call sort of weatherproof uh, defensive uh, growth businesses. And it's a range between 15 and 25%, but I'm at the top end of that, uh, reflecting my nervousness uh, about the business cycle. I have them because uh, I messed up so badly in 2008 by not having them. Pre two thousand and eight, you know, this portfolio was was too adrenaline filled. Frankly, uh, not enough balance and diversity. Uh, and I need a part of the portfolio to be less economically sensitive to to provide a, a, a buffer during more difficult times.
0: Is there a risk that these might be a drag on potential growth at times?
1: Yes, I think they are. Uh, But that's almost precisely while they're there. There are other parts of the portfolio that uh, are the more traditional heartland of a a growth investor, technology, for instance, which makes up about also 25 percent of the fund. And so that area is is pushing along very nicely. Um, But they're there as as almost an insurance policy, as in a buffer for for more difficult uh, times in the economic cycle. And you like businesses where there isn't that direct link uh, between – their growth rate and the economic growth rate.
0: Okay. Now, what would be examples of some of these defensive companies?
1: Examples would be in healthcare, uh, food, uh, beverage, uh, staple services. I own uh, care homes, uh, pest control businesses, medical devices, uh, companies that make ovens, uh, companies that make seasonings, spices, and sauces. So, you know, unless you like your food cold and bland, you need me.
0: Specifically, what companies, you know, could you name one or two?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, well, we talked about the miniaturized heart pump company earlier. Uh, I own a business, uh, which is a pest control business in the United States. The name of the company is Rollins, and it owns the Orkin brand. A similar brand in, in the UK would be Rentakill. Uh, and I suppose I like the the profile of this business because it, the decision to bring in the pest control technician is a much more uh, time-sensitive than price-sensitive decision. So if your partner finds uh, rats or an infestation of cockroaches, you're, you're probably not going to spend a few weeks mulling over what your next step might be. Uh, So this is an important time-sensitive decision, and it's also a recurring revenue business because uh, if you don't bring back the pest control technicians on a regular basis, the, the bugs will come back. So I think that's a good example of the, the kind of defensive, reliable earnings stream that I'm looking for in that, in that part of the portfolio.
0: Now, you mentioned earlier you were concerned about the economic situation in the United States. Let's say if it does deteriorate or perhaps if um, you know, the economic market conditions deteriorate more widely, will you increase your allocation to these kinds of defensive companies?
1: Well, I'm already there. Um, I've I've already increased that weighting. I've tilted the portfolio really over the last year towards those weatherproof, uh, reliable growth businesses. Um, It doesn't mean I'm selling my areas in technology and traditional growth areas, but I have tilted the portfolio towards those more reliable businesses that will provide a bit of a buffer.
0: Thank you, James. A really interesting update on Rathbone Global Opportunities Fund. You can read more on Rathbone Global Opportunities Fund on the website at investorschronicle.co.uk or in some of our magazines. Thank you for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags and so much more.